Welcome to A Man's Journey Through Divorce, where we talk about real divorce challenges and practical tools to help you not only move through divorce, but beyond. I'm your host, Steve Schlupner, owner of Utree, and I want to thank you once again for listening in. Today we're going to talk about how we respond to divorce. Do we allow it to define us? Do we allow it to destroy us? Or are we allowing it to strengthen us? But before I dive in, if you're looking for specific help in any area of divorce, I have a few options for you. Be sure to look at my self-guided online divorce recovery program. It's 12 sessions covering seven and a half hours of content. It covers a laundry list of challenges the typical man faces in divorce and contains tools you can use to help you through the day and transition through this day-by-day process. And for those of you who are looking for more in-depth help, we can co-create a five-point transition plan. You'll walk away with a structured financial strategy, a family transition strategy, self-care routine, and a coordinated work-life parenting strategy. Just go to my webpage, www.utreecoaching.com, and select the Divorce Coaching tab to link to either the online program or the free consultation. So let's dive in. I'm going to start off today by talking about a great quote from Dr. Seuss. And it reads, when something bad happens, you have three choices. You can let it define you, let it destroy you, or you can let it strengthen you. There's so so much truth to that because divorce is one of these things that we can interpret it as being bad. And most often, our interpretation is that very thing. It's a bad thing. It's an unintended consequence. It's an unexpected life event, possibly. We interpret these things as bad, and when we interpret something as bad, then we set ourselves on course to have a definition that aligns with that interpretation or actions that align with that interpretation. So today I'm going to do is I'm going to break these out one by one. And let's start with having the divorce define us. So I want you to ask yourself, in what ways are you allowing the divorce to to define you? Do you feel guilty? Are you worried what others are thinking of you, friends or family or parents? Do you say things like my marriage failed or our relationship was broken or I cheated or she cheated? These are all definitions based on a thought. And one of the key things I work on with my clients is is try to control our perceptions, right? That's one of the three stoic principles that I put a lot of emphasis on. And it's something that I've done myself as I've worked through divorce. And I remember the early stages of my divorce, I would say things like our marriage was broken or our marriage failed. And these were definitions. And uh, the very definition of that started to put me into a place where I was defining the divorce as a bad thing. And then therefore I start to live as if I had this bad experience in my life. 
So I want you to think of a thought as envision, envision yourself loading a bow, you know, like a bow and arrow. Envision yourself loading, loading a bow. And the thought is the arrow. So once you put that thought on that bow and you hold it and you pull it back and you build up tension and then you release that arrow or you release that thought, can you direct its course? Can you retrieve it? No. That arrow is going to take its course and it's going to go at whatever you pointed it at. So when we use words like definitions such as my marriage failed, then we shoot that arrow off into the distance and our life is responding accordingly. So it's very important to start taking inventory of the thoughts that you have. Make a list of the type of negative thoughts or the things that are popping up in your head as you're looking at this divorce and see how it may be impacting your overall perception. You know, maybe it's a perception that your marriage failed. But the way you escape it is you escape it by looking at reality. Like, what is reality? Well, the reality is, and the reality I faced when I broke up with my ex, when our relationship ended, is that the marriage wasn't working for either of us. I mean, we had met uh, in our mid-20s. I was married at 28. I hadn't really... Uh, developed into a more mature man. I was still living a lot of my youth at those early 20 ages when we, when we met and my friends and family, well, my friends uh, were just starting to build their lives with their spouses at the same time. So we weren't really um, moving along on a maturity level. And I don't even really think I knew what I wanted in a marriage, but I went down that path because I thought that that was the right thing to do. But the reality of it is, is that we came together. Our marriage wasn't working for us. We evolved over our 20-year marriage into two different people that had different interests, different uh, loves of life, different things that we wanted to accomplish, and, and we diverted from each other. That's the reality. It doesn't make the marriage a failure. It doesn't make the marriage broken or either of us broken. It just means it wasn't working for us. And that's okay. That's okay. Having a definition and a perspective under that nature is much easier to live with and living with the guilt or the shame or the embarrassment that you either face yourself or you face towards other where you speak that your marriage failed. It's not a failure. Really what happened is your marriage had a leak, right? And maybe you spent a lot of your time mopping up the puddle. And the puddle was appearing in different things. Maybe the puddle was you know, arguments, financial stress. Maybe it was some stepping out on the marriage, adultery, uh, poor communication, 
These are all symptoms of a problem, which was the original leak. The original leak was there was something not working in your marriage, which is then leading to those things. Maybe what wasn't working is there's no partnership or there's no common core beliefs or um, there's an imbalance. There's a, a, a relationship of unequals. I don't know what the situation would be. I, I know in my situation, our tendency was to not partner well and to not co-parent well. That was an inherent leak and the puddle started to form and it would take its shape as poor communication, arguments, frustration, financial stress, um, not properly handling the kids. And those are the things that happened. And we spent our time trying to mop up the puddle instead of really working to understand why the leak was there in the first place. So the definition you use is very important. The definition is the marriage just wasn't working for us. Ended at that. Now let's look at destroy. The second part of that quote. We can let the event destroy you. So what are the actions that you could be taking that destroy yourself? When you have these thoughts of failure or cheating or I'm not good enough or anger or frustration or resentment, these are things that start to eat you from the inside out. And only you can destroy yourself. You know, your ex can't make you frustrated. Your ex can't make you angry. Your ex can't make you resentful or even feel that you're not good enough. Only you can attach to situations, messages, make your own interpretation, and then feel not good enough or feel angry. Only you can do those things. Your ex can't make you happy. Only you can make you happy. You can't make her happy. Only she can make her happy, right? So what ways are you allowing little fissures to come into your life that are, that are saying where this divorce is creeping up and destroying you bit by bit? You know, Examples could be uh, overeating, drinking, having unmeaningful sexual escapades, it could be anything that you're doing to either hide or fight or escape from the divorce. I know with my situation, one of the, one of the things that I have in, in myself, as soon as I get frustration, frustrated, I remember during the marriage, I would come home from work and we would start to argue about something or the kids would be out of control and, and, and my frustration level and my anxiety would just kind of go through the roof and I would immediately go and bury my head in the pantry and start to scarf down food just unconsciously. The other thing that that I would do is sometimes um, I would just wash dishes. I would just sit down and and wash the dishes. If we had an argument around the dinner time or, or, or after dinner or whatever it may be, I would, I would just start washing dishes and my ex would be like, why are you washing dishes? And it didn't really occur to me that I had this unconscious pattern that I would just step up and wash dishes because when I was a kid, 
anytime I did an act like that for the family, I was considered a good boy. Steve's a good boy. Look at him. He's a good boy. And I was unconsciously washing dishes. On the weekends, um, I'd binge drink. I'd binge drink uh, for, you know, all weekend. Not, not all weekend long, but I would drink myself into excess during the weekends as a form of escaping not only the stress that was in my marriage and the difficulty that I was having uh, managing the kids, but managing my work and all the other obligations that I had, financial stress. And on the weekend, I'd check out a little bit and I would drink. And then after the divorce came, I found myself still doing these things. Luckily, it was one time when I was by myself up here in Vermont because I had moved away from Maryland, moved away from my friends and family. And thank God I did because had I encountered my divorce in Maryland, I probably would have went down a completely different path. The being alone in a place where I didn't know anybody in a small town, uh, it, it, it did wonders for me. It was very hard, but it did wonders for me. I remember even going out on the weekends when I didn't have my kids and, and I'd go to a bar and have a few drinks and I'd start to get pouty. And, and one time I actually scared myself through some of the really dark thoughts that I had. I scared myself. And I just committed right then and there that I wasn't going to go through and do that path anymore. But working through challenges of eating, unmeaningful sex, those are things or different ways that we're trying to escape or project things out. You know, when something bad happens in our life, when the challenge comes, we can do one of these four F's. We can fight it. We can flight from it. We can fuck it, meaning that we go into a vice, sex, drugs, alcohol, food, overworking, overexercising, whatever it is, but we're trying to put a mask on it so we don't see it. Or we can face it. So take an inventory of the things that you may be doing that aren't serving who you want to be as a man. What are you doing that isn't aligning to the father that you want to be? What's stealing from you? My bet is there are some bad habits out there. There are some things that you could change in the divorce the way you think about it, the way you define it, can cause actions or reactions that are taking the form in these different vices that you're either falling prey to or you can find yourself fighting uh, around things or you can find yourself just swallowing pain, swallowing frustration, bearing more and more and more. It's not until we recognize and we become aware of what we're doing, can we change what we're aware of, right? The law of awareness says I can only change what I'm aware of. I cannot change what I'm unaware of. So I'm asking you to find out what you are doing. How can you become aware? So that brings us to the third part of Dr. Seuss's quote, which is, Allowing the divorce to strengthen us. In last episode, I talked about allowing the divorce to open doors for you. And one of those doors can be 
becoming stronger. Stronger in your ability to handle obstacles, stronger than in your ability to handle challenges, stronger in your ability to be the man you need to be, the father you need to be. I even think back to times where I've gone into child support hearings. I've been to four child support hearings over the last year. I keep revisiting child support. And the judge doesn't always seem to be on my side. And I could sit back and I could allow that to define me and destroy me. But instead, I want to drop the mic on him. And be like, okay, well, you're going to challenge me. What is it that I can do? How can I make changes to meet these demands that are coming on me and move on with my life? And my bet is, is even though I'm going through these challenges, and this is one of the things I think really, really are impacting women because there is a little bit of unfairness in the family court system. It's a reality. But as a man, when you experience unfairness, just realize this, that you're getting fuel in your engine. You're getting the challenge. You embrace that, you can get stronger. Being entitled to things doesn't make you stronger. Right? We are facing challenges. We are getting stronger. I'm glad for it. Bring it on. So how do you face this divorce and how do you let it strengthen you? It starts with a dose of willpower and a dose of courage. You mix them together. Have the willpower to persevere. Last time we talked about our divorce compass, the divorce compass that we call on when we're standing on unstable ground, when we're standing in uncertainty and unfairness and where we don't want to be. We call on our divorce compass and the North, North Point is persevere and the, and the West Point is patience and the South is bravery and the East is uh, gratitude and in the center is self-mastery. Call on your perseverance. It's your willpower. You're going to um, persevere through this. You're going to do it with a bit of courage. And it starts by asking the question, how can I? When you start to say statements such as, "What? why is this happening? This shouldn't be happening. This doesn't seem fair. Those are all negative arrows that will direct you when released down into some level of victimhood. And when we reach that level of victimhood, we're falling into a definition of, or destructive pattern. But once you ask the question, it's a very simple question. How can I? How can I see this situation differently? How can I realize the truth around what's going on? How can I create a new relationship with my ex? Whatever the how can I can is, look at your challenge and ask how can I? There's a really interesting book by David Brooks called The Power of Ted. TED is an acronym for the empowerment dynamic. And what he does is he, I want you to envision two pyramids standing on their point, right? Not standing on the foundation, but standing on their point. 
And he says, most people, when they're faced with a challenge, at the bottom of that point, they'll see themselves as a victim. And the top parts of the pyramid is either a persecutor or a rescuer. So that you're a victim, somebody's persecuting you. Like in the example of my child support, I felt that the judge was persecuting me. I, 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 ideally, I wanted my ex-spouse to be the rescuer, to come in and rescue me. But she didn't become the rescuer. Then I started seeing her as a persecutor. And as soon as I felt like I was being persecuted and I started shifting into those negative arrows, then I went into my victimhood. And, and what David Brooks would argue is the only way you can shift out of that. And why do we want to cause suffering on ourselves? Right? Three Buddhist principles around suffering. They say suffering's caused because I'm not enough or feeling I'm alone or don't fit in or wanting what I cannot have. Well, I wanted an answer to the child support hearing, but it wasn't an answer I could have. And I started to create suffering. So David Brooks would argue shift, shift from victimhood so that you see yourself as the creator at the bottom of that pyramid, that point. You're the creator. And there's no persecutor. There's a challenger. And there's no rescuer. There's a coach. So I encourage you to do is to see these things as a challenge and then rely on your own tools and your own innate wisdom to coach you through it. And if you don't know how to do that, then that's something where you should go seek some help. But as soon as you create, and creators create by asking, how can I? How can I? How can I overcome this challenge? How can I see it differently? Then you're on a, you take the blinders off and the world just opens up because you start to see everything that you can do, not all the things that are being blocked from you from doing. You know, it's also important to, to fall on a virtue. And in the last episode, I gave you a website. It's viacharacter.org. And you can do a free assessment on that website to determine your top five and your bottom five virtues of, I think it's 25 virtues. And we talked about the importance of living in virtue. And what is a virtue? A virtue is a behavior based on some high moral standards that you have for yourself. And we all have different virtues. So, for example, my virtues are honesty and creativity, bravery, fairness, and humor. Sometimes I actually think I'm funny. So what I learned in my divorce when I took my gap year is that I wasn't bringing out some of these, and the one thing that's really, really high for me is creativity, but I, was, I would never sit down and, and work on creative projects because my time was spent obligating myself to the work I was doing, to the financial demands for the family, to my kids, to my ex-wife. And I did that. I brought all that on, but I obligated myself 
And, and it's okay to have virtues to do those things, but I wasn't finding a way to instill the creativity back into my life. So during my gap year, I really started to focus on creative projects. And as I did that, I felt more in tune, more in line with my life and what I was about and who I am. And that started to bring a greater peace and a greater joy. This is why I feel it's really important for you to understand your top virtues. Don't worry about being perfect in everything. Just do the things that are really important to you. Incorporate those things in your life, the things you enjoy, the things you believe. And your life will move forward in a more positive fashion. But as soon as the divorce starts to eat away all of our time and the distraction of this divorce process starts to inhibit our ability to focus on ourselves and give proper attention to ourselves, then we start to experience more obligation. We start to disalign with the integrity of our life. So find out what your top virtues are and then ask yourself, how can I? If you're feeling like you're a dad who's been relegated to just writing the checks and you're feeling that, you know, you can load up that negative arrow, see how your virtues can apply to your family. How can you incorporate them? And I would encourage you to work on your virtues around the 5F model that I use. And you can find out more about that on my website. But the 5F model is breaking your life down into family, finances, fitness or your overall well-being, fervor, your emotional understanding, and your faith. Find out how you're applying your virtues, top, top virtues across all of those, not just one area. You'll know that you're good at it in one area, but you may not be applying it across the board. So it's really, really important to start aligning yourself with your virtues in the presence of this divorce. And when we do that, we're positioning ourselves to have the strength. And this is what Dr. Seuss says. You can let it strengthen you. I don't know if you see it or not, but over time, you will, that you're living right now the best thing that's ever happened to you. You may not want to see that, but there's so many divorced guys that I've spoken to that are 10, 15, 20 years down the road after the divorce, and they can look back and say, yep, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. But it feels sometimes it feels like shit living it right now, but you're living the best thing that's ever happened to you. So if we're living the best thing that's ever happened to you and we want to allow the divorce to open doors for us, then let's get strong. Let's not define or destroy ourselves. If you want more information on this topic, I encourage you to look at that book, The Power of Ted by David Brooks. I also like a book called The Daily Stoic, which has each day of the calendar year, Ryan Holiday has broken out uh, some Stoic principles that we can practice. I think it's a well-organized book that I call on every day. I, I, I bought the book, I read it cover to cover, and then I read it day by day. Just to create these reminders of these practices that I want to instill in myself. 
And if there's a topic you want to hear more about, just go to a man's journey through divorce podcast page on my website, www.utreecoaching.com. Drop me a note. Let me know what you want to hear. Also, I invite you to look at this self-guided online divorce recovery program. It's designed to help you move through your recovery and the privacy of your own home at your own vulnerability level. You don't need to necessarily wait till your therapist has an opening in their calendar or even feel uncomfortable in that situation. But do some sort of work. Do some sort of work so you can start to embrace this. And that's what this online recovery module is. And if you want more specific help around any area, then reach out to me, schedule a free consultation. I'd be glad to talk about different areas where you're stuck and how we can start to piece together a transition plan that will help you move through recovery. Divorce is a very tough thing. It's something we shouldn't do by ourselves, and I'm here to support you with that. Also, be sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel. There's a lot of other helpful tips that I put out there. And no matter where you're located, I'm here to help. Reach out at any time. Have a great day.